The Bill Simmons Podcast on the Rigger Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know what's not smart? Trading James Harden for Steven Adams, Jeremy Lamb, and one year of Kevin Martin. That's not smart. You know what is smart? Hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. It even learns what candidates you like and invites more to apply. It's so effective. 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, here's why I'm a fan of Simply Safe Home Security. It's prepared for everything. Storm takes out your power, Simply Safe's ready. Phone line gets cut, keypad gets destroyed. Simply Safe, it's ready. Maybe you won't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but what makes Simply Safe great, it is always ready just in case. I recommend it to everyone I know. Go today to simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two eyes. Simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't forget to check out theringer.com this week. We have a bunch of great podcasts this week. New episodes of the Dave Chang Show, Cousin Sal Show, celebrating the uh Legalized sports gambling, House of Carbs, Shea Serrano talking Tex Mex, binge modes going, a whole bunch of, oh, we're running on all cylinders. Ringer and Bay Show is going every day. Check the Ringer Podcast Network out. Check out theringer.com as well, where we continue to cover movies, basketball, the NBA draft guide, which has been spectacular. Uh, everything. You know what we cover at theringer.com. I just hope you're going there every day. We're trying to design a, design a site that would make you go there every day. Coming up, we are going to talk a little NBA lottery, leftover stuff, as well as um, maybe preview what we think might happen coming up for the rest of the conference finals here, especially in an increasingly fascinated Warriors Rocket Series. That's with Jonathan Jarks from The Ringer. And then uh, the legendary NBA fan, the Laker fan, who has sat next to Jack Nicholson for the last 45 years or so, Lou Adler. We went to his house in Malibu on Wednesday and taped a wide-ranging basketball conversation with him that uh, the bottom line is I'm just running out of people to talk basketball with that are on my level. I have, to, I have to drive to random places to go meet people who have been to awesome games. And I continue to challenge myself for you, the listener, for this free podcast that I hope you continue to listen to for the rest of your lives. Coming up, Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, we're taping this Thursday late afternoon, Los Angeles time. Why? Because there's no playoff game tonight. Jonathan Jarks is here. I say, I, I'm still not saying You're it not right. You're not saying it right. Jonathan, I wasn't going to say anything. Jonathan Jarks. There we go. See, it's like a CH. It's like a CH, yes. Jonathan Jarks is here. Hey. You know what it is? I have that thing when you read when something reads a certain way and you pronounce it that way, regardless of... It's almost like a speech impediment. We'll, we'll get stuck in your head in the one way. And you just, it's hard to get out of that kind of rhythm. Certain names like Micah, Mika, things like, like things that seem like they should be spelled a certain way, but then oh, it's, it's spelled the other. You know like, what I mean? It's like Jim Nance, the the Maymays. Yeah, memes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Maymays. <laughs> I want to say Maymays or Mimis and not just memes. So um, you've been writing for The Ringer for really since we launched it. 
And every time we try to do a podcast with you, it's some sort of terrible technological Well, now I have no choice. Disaster I barged my way in here. I said, I'm getting on this podcast. Well, but we, you're on, you're on Ringer NBA show. You're a valuable member of that. Yeah. Um, you're a draft expert. You're an NBA expert. I hesitate to use the word expert. As Charles Barkley always says, only God's an expert. Well, but you, you bring a lot of expertise to the table. There we go. We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Connoisseur. I said this to uh, Allison Herman. I don't think of her as a TV critic. I think of her as a TV connoisseur. I think okay. he was an NBA connoisseur. Yeah, I like to like to sample. You could do you can you could break down pick and rolls and crap like that, but you can also assess stuff and you have a big picture feel and all hey, that stuff. Hey, the world of basketball, man, it's fun. How yeah. excited should I be? Actually, no, you know what? People are going to get mad that I talk about the Celtics <laughs> game. We'll save them for after. How excited should I be as a Celtic fan? That Steph Curry does not look 100%. Oh. <laughs> and it's a there, the Russian is cut kind of moment right now for the Souths. The seemingly invincible Warriors, but now one of their best guys doesn't look right. I think to me, it's like if Houston drags a series out. Like remember in 2016, when Steph had to go seven games, like give him like a five game series versus a seven game series. That could be a big difference. So I, I should be rooting for Houston in a long series. Why wouldn't Houston regardless? If you're, Why? They're not as good as Golden State. I mean, if you're like one of being the finals, you want to play Houston like Golden State, I would think. The Celtics do play Houston well. By the way, I have no idea if the Celtics are going to make the finals, but I've allowed myself to even start contemplating it with a 2-0 lead. I always say overreact whatever just happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's it's a, a good, good philosophy. philosophy. They, for some reason, have defended Harden about as well as anybody. And it's not for some reason, actually. I should say Marcus Smart. He's pretty good at defending James Harden. Hey, Dallas's own Marcus Smart. Yeah. He's great. Um, but, you know, Houston's really good and they're going to have home court. And I think the the key with this Boston team, these first three rounds has just been, they're really good at home. One thing really I like, good. I, I think with Houston been exposed a bit, it's like, if I'm going to let Harden score 40, I'm going to let Paul and Gordon do some things. And then like, let's make Ariza, Mabamute, Tucker, make them create shots. Like, yeah. test them. Like they did with Covington in the other round. Like make those guys get their own offense. He was my favorite player in round two, Covington. So keep, keep shooting, Rocco. Please put another one up. Yeah, yeah I think what's really helped uh, the Warriors and would help the Celtics or the Cavs, whoever makes the finals, is Mabai Mute doesn't look right. Man, he looks like he can't even make a layup right now. It's sad. I, I, it almost is like, you know, in the hockey playoffs when you find out after the series that somebody was playing with like a broken ankle. Yeah, and yeah. Somebody else was playing with a punctured lung and they have all these injuries that they hid. Yeah, he had some quotes like, I'm Dude, not going to dunk anymore. Well, that's probably not a good sign. Yeah. And they they needed his uh, his length and athleticism, as Chad Ford, our old friend Chad Ford would say once upon a time. I like I like what D'Antoni did last night, which is very peak D'Antoni. He's like, I have six guys I trust. That's my guys. We're just doing it. I love that in the playoffs. And I never understand, like Philly was playing 11 guys in crucial playoff games in round two. If you don't know who your eight guys are by the end of round two, you're in trouble. And then, especially when you have, how many days do they have off? Four? Yeah, something like that. I also, I was talking to somebody about the rookie wall in the playoffs and whether it exists, who I won't name. And they were saying there is no such thing as the rookie wall because the adrenaline from these playoff games is so profound hmm. that even if you're tired, you don't even feel tired. You don't feel it till after the playoffs. And Durant said that too. Durant was just flying through last year's finals and they'd played all these games. And then the moment it ended, he just crashed. Interesting. And uh, I think with, with the six man lineup, basically, I think you can get away with that as long as it's not like game seven where you've been playing every other day for the last week and a half and your guys just don't have their legs. Yeah. Situation like yesterday, it's smart. Just go with your best six, split up the minutes. You get 
240 minutes total for six guys. It's like, all right, 42 minutes and then 30 for the other guy. Let's go. I think it's the biggest thing. It's just like Kerr playing David West. Like, how can you play David West? Well, what is he going to do, though? There's six through 12 guys are atrocious. They play six or seven guys, too. I think they go Hampton's five, Looney Livingston. That's their seven. Maybe who's, who's five? The Hamptons five as the starters. And oh then, yeah, yeah. Then Looney and Livingston. That's your seven guys. I think like the. I don't even know level, if I'd play Looney. Yeah, I mean the level of basketball is so high right now. You got to be good to stay on the floor. Like yeah. you just got this level of play just getting raised. I've never remember. Yeah, I agree with you. And I've never remembered a playoffs where there's just certain guys who actually are probably good at basketball who just you can't play them. Like Greg Monroe. I feel like offensively, if you if you played him enough, you can't bring him in for three minutes. If you played him for seven minutes and you're like, we're just, we're going to post you up and run the offense through you. He'd actually do a pretty good job. Yeah. And on the other end, he's, you can't hide him. Well, that's Wherever thing. he is, he's going to end up on with a smaller dude on him. Who's just going to go by him and that's it. And you got to take him out. Yeah. That's the thing about the play. It's a shape shifting. It's like, we're going to yeah. find wherever you are. We're attacking it right away. Like every minute is valuable. I mean, you look at 2016 with Kerr and that was that game seven playing, playing Verjao and Azili. That maybe right there is a championship. And we, we, the, there was like five minutes left in game seven, and Harrison Barnes was a section eight at that point. He's oh, just, out. I can't talk about Harry Barnes. He's Mavs just, franchise player. Well, he just, for whatever reason, melted down in that series and curried four guys. And it's like, who's my fifth guy? And that's really why they lost the title. He just needed a fifth guy for like three minutes and yeah. couldn't find one. And Azili's out there just giving up plays to LeBron. The Celtics have, I think seven and a half guys I, mean, seven. I trust. They got seven. That's nice. Semi in the right in a home game, maybe guarding LeBron or whoever for yeah. f- four minutes. I'm fine with, but it's seven guys that I trust. Which yeah. Cleveland, I think they have LeBron and love. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, at this point, Tristan, I guess you trust him. That's it's like at least he's gonna cir- have energy. The circle of trust is very small. But like George Hill looked like a corpse in game two. I, mean, I know he'll be better in game three, but I was like, they need George Hill and Rodney Hood. Like Nat says it all right there. Like they, right. those guys got to play well. And how can you have confidence? They're in just that? not good. It's I, I've been thinking a lot about game two since it happened and LeBron throwing one of the all-time haymakers in the first half. And then they're up five at halftime. It's such a bad sign for that team. Now I think game three, you're home. The Celtics have not been good on the road. You know, you get some calls. Well, LeBron gets treated a little differently at home. There's to, a whole bunch of factors that will help them. How many possessions could it go? Like, let's limit possessions. Could it be like a 90-85 game? Is that possible? Can they keep Boston totally in the half court? Slow it down. They're, they don't get back on D. They don't really move on D. It reminds me a lot. There was this moment in the 2014 finals when I realized the Spurs were going to win. And it was like during game four. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching the Miami on defense and I was like, they're just, the Spurs are just a second and a half ahead of them on everything. Like they're running yeah. faster, they're moving the ball. And it's like, this will never change. This could, they could play a hundred times. I do wonder if there's a piece of that with the Celtics series where where the Cavs are so slow on defense. They don't like to get back. LeBron's resting. They have all these like minus defensive players and if you have good ball movement and you're pushing the ball, does that change? It, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, there's just so many holes to attack. Yeah. There's just so many spots. Like they need Corver. That's the thing to me is like Corver was like the big piece in Toronto and he just can't be out here against Boston. Wherever he goes, he's getting hit. 
Right. And I, I could argue he should have played more minutes because JR was getting 30 plus minutes. And I, I if he's out there for that long. Because I guess Corver at least gives you offense. Like, at least you know he's going to give you that. I just judge it for myself. I'm scared when Corver's out there. I feel like he's going to score every time. When yeah. JR is like, please shoot. <laughs> now, at home, he's a little different. But, um, but yeah, they, you know. LeBron had a killer first half. I mean, maybe Chetty Osman is the adjustment in game three. That's, I was waiting for them to play him. Yeah, he gives them energy at least. He tries. They got 65 points out of LeBron and Love, and they lost by 13. Like, that's a terrible sign. Yeah. That's why I think it's the third score thing. So I'm going to give you two roads. Cavs get swept seventh game in Boston, and it's one of those two things. What do you think is more likely? I mean, I'm not going to bet against LeBron. I feel like he doesn't want to get... I feel like LeBron at home, I just can't see them getting swept. I just I think LeBron's got at least a 45 I think seventh game. game's more likely too. Yeah, I can I see do. them winning game three. Game four is just Kevin Love's hit eight, eight threes. That'll be the LeBron one. LeBron scores 45. That's going to be the close game. If they get them 3-1, it's over. If they get it 2-2, two, two, it'll be a long series. That'd be my guess. Um, Rockets Warriors... Did game two change how you? F- I thought they were going to get swept after game one, and I love to overreact, like w- along with everybody else. Yeah. Game two, I didn't know if the Rockets would have the balls to do what they did, which was to enough with the ISO bullshit that works in the regular yeah. season, and actually like attack more and more slash and kick, and they played a little more conventionally and it worked. The Warriors would be ready for a game three, um, but I also wondered. I was like, I don't know if this Warriors team once they prove how great they are then the next game it's like ah we they don't have a they don't they have don't that have extra it. like they don't no. have that step on the throat thing it's like ah we already beat them it's like yeah but you've got three more games left it's crazy they just how gave fast a game it turned away. where they they used to be this like scrappy team no one doubts us now like we're the champs we don't care we'll win whatever we feel like we proved it again like the best bet of the year is probably betting against the Warriors after they've played an awesome game. It's yeah. like it's like they won the title. It's like, yeah, we know you're awesome. But they've how got, about they, doing that two that games in a row? area thing going, just resting on their laurels all the time. I honestly wonder if it, if it's a lack of an alpha dog. Like, there's got to be somebody in that team who just, you know, and granted, Marcus Smart is in one-fifth of the player like KD and Curry is, like just from a ceiling standpoint, but... He he. There's games where he's just like, we're not losing. I'm not letting us do this tonight. And he's the intensity and energy that he brings is so over the top. It gets the crowd going. It gets and the Warriors don't have that guy. I've always kind of thought that the leader was probably Iguodala, but he's getting a little old now. Like how, I don't know if he's he got can't it bring anymore. it like that. Yeah, the same so how can you it's, lead? It should be Draymond. He's just got the crack. Him and Chris Paul, one of them's gonna go crazy in the series where they just do something snaps and crazy. Yeah, Chris Paul does seem like he's hitting a tipping point of emotionally. Where if this series goes wrong, <laughs> yeah. he might create the greatest flagrant foul we've ever seen in our I love in game one when he elbowed KD in the backcourt and then flopped after he elbowed yeah. the guy. That was that was priceless. He he'll also he'll go in these modes. He used to do this with the Clippers too. I was always like in, in seeing it in person was so impressive. Where he'll just commit like thirty fouls in a game. <laughs> he just starts, call all of them. He starts fouling in the first <laughs> quarter, and then it's like you can't call it a foul belatedly. And he'll he'll just club people with his oh, arms. Yeah, it's. I feel like with Chris Paul, he's like 
I'm trying my best and I'm small and I still want to win. So I'm just going to break the rules. It's yeah. my right as a small person to break the rules. It's very little Napoleon. Certain guys just set the tone early with that and get away with it. The Covington, I felt like, was that like that in the Sixers. It was very like the Patriots DB And Marcus thing, Smart's like that. Where they just like tackle people. And yeah. Like, Call Marcus Smart's like, I'm playing like this the whole game. So if you're not calling now, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> and then you can't flip it. But um, I think they really miss Baba Mute. And I, I do wonder if they could have won this series with him. I don't, I just think Durant's the best player in the, in the series. And they, ultimately they don't have an answer and there's going to be a moment in this series and he'll be the best guy. Well, cause the thing I noticed in game two, it seemed like Golden State lost the game in the first half. They played like two or three really bad lineups. They got Houston running and Houston running, got their other guys shots. Like yep. they're moving the ball, got a reason shots, Tucker shots. If Golden State's scoring getting back on the half court, I think that really limits them. To me, it's Clay Thompson. Durant's getting his points. That's just happening. Steph, we don't know. This feels like a Clay Thompson series to me. But the Clay is like a cat. You never know when he's going to like hop on your lap. Yeah, I mean, he might just be. Like, Where's he's Clay? Going, he's oh, he's going. in the garage. I don't know where he is. It's like he's such a he's so vicious. Like some of those shots in Game One, and like the ball swings to Clay and he's open. It's like what a what a helpless feeling. Like that's going in. Forget it. The uh, I'm trying to think. One of the things that's weird about this series is usually there's like the. Sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth man will swing at least one game. And in this series, it's clearly just our top six against yeah. your top six. It's almost like a pickup game. To me, I'm looking at, I think Durant and Harden, they'll get in theirs. To me, I'm looking at Clay and Steph versus Gordon and Paul, which whichever those two backcourts can just dominate. I think that's the key. So you do, you host a, what would your pick, by the way, if you had to pick, if you who's your finals right now? Oh, Golden State and Boston. Okay, even odds. Uh, so you you've contributed a ton to our NBA draft guide. That's fucking awesome, and I hope yeah, everybody shout out, out to our listening. editors. And yeah, the, it the is really incredible. It's one of the best things we've done. And then you're also hosting the draft class podcast on Friday with KOC, Danny Chow, producer, the Ice Man, Isaac, Isaac Isley, the course, Ice Man, Isaac Lee. Um, but when we see where the NBA has gone. I don't understand how somebody like Mo Bamba can be considered a top five pick because I just, I'm always a look at the series guy. Look at, look at here. All right. We have four teams left. Imagine Mo Bamba in this series. Imagine mm-hmm. Mo Bamba in this series. And it's like, imagine Mo Bamba in this Cavs Celtic series. Who's he, is he playing five minutes? The answer is no, he's not. So here's the thing. Like to me, Gobert is a much better version of Bamba and Gobert the last two years, Golden State, Houston, they just killed him. They said, killed him. And he's the be- he's the rich man's version I mean, of Mo Bamba. Yeah. And I like, I'm a Texas guy. Mo's great off the court, but I, I get where you're coming from. I just would be, I think I said this on Zach's podcast this, this week, Ainge and, uh, and Bob Myers and the Warriors guys, Ainge and Mike Zarin, all the Boston guys. They realized about two years before everybody else, like interchangeable perimeter mm-hmm. guys with size who can create their shot and switch on D, ranging from six foot six to six foot nine. Yeah. Get as many of these guys as possible. And just it, the positions don't matter. Anymore. And I think you look at like Boston having these high draft picks and they like specifically targeted that type of player. They said, we're going to get Tatum. I mean, even beyond Tatum and Brown, like if they had drafted bigs and point guards, who knows what they'd be right now, but they knew we want two way, big wings, switchable. Even moving. Marcus is somebody who can guard four positions. Yeah. I mean, he's like bigger than six, four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He plays four. like yeah. he's six, seven. So now that we know this, why aren't the guys in the six foot six to six foot nine range? Why don't they have like a distorted value? 
Well, it is. Like, this... what, who's that guy? Z- Zaire Smith? Love Zaire. He's like 6'2", though. <laughs> oh, is he? I thought he was He taller. measured out at 6'4", with shoes. I, I love Zaire, oh, though. Oh, 6'4", with shoes? Oh, that kills that theory. No, but I mean, he's great. My guy, he's like, a little, little wee bit Westbrooky, right? Just a tiny bit. In terms of athletic ability, athleticism, athletic ability with Zaire Smith is unbelievable. So, who are six foot six to six foot nine guys? To me, the guy is Miles Bridges, the Michigan State guy. Yeah, that's my guy. I think he's been really. He's the guy I think is like hiding in plain sight in this year's draft. I think I feel like his floor is very high, and then like maybe his ceiling. But six 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 seven, two hundred thirty pounds, great, really good shooter, good feel for the game. I think he can play right now in one of these series. That's the one guy. It feels like that position has become like the left tackle in football where they do the draft boards and the quarterbacks are always at the top. And then and then eventually the left tackle ends up going third or fourth because you go through the draft and team number three is like, we need a left tackle. That's the best left tackle. Let's take him. That's what Bridges is. I think he's going to be like that where... He'll go five spots higher than I think I mean, that people is the, have him now. The, the one thing, yeah, there is a lot of big body wings in this draft. I think there's a point guard glut. I'm not as excited about Trey Young as I would have been 15 years ago as a draft pick because every fucking team has a point guard. Yeah. There's like, how many? Orlando, Indiana. If you go down the line, there's maybe five teams that could genuinely use a point guard. There's even like Kyle Lowry. Like, let's say you wanted to move him. Who wants an old point guard? Who this wants, is weird. Or Mike Conley. Who wants to pay $35 million a year for Mike Conley coming off two different injuries. Yeah. And then the you got to pay him for three more years. And the other thing too, a drafting a point guard, like we see it in Dallas. I like Dennis, but you draft Dennis, you know, we're going to be bad for a while. we got a young point guard running pick and rolls all game. It's, it's going to take years for him to figure it out. Could Dennis have played in either of these series? I think he could have been an instant offense guy, but I don't know if he'd have got, they trust him on defense. Probably not. Honestly. He probably could have played the Jordan Clarkson spot for Cleveland. <laughs> Which the, he that, wouldn't have been worse. That spot on the bench. Um, well, no, in game one, the the irrational confidence, instant offense, yeah. getting lost on defense every place. Yeah, yeah. Whatever spot that is. Yeah, that's not not long for this world in a big So you years. the big the big uh dilemma with this draft, every year we have to pit two guys against each other. That's what we do with the NBA draft. This year it's Luka Doncic. Did I say that right? Doncic. Doncic. That's another one. I, I'm, I can't pronounce See, I read names. all these names and never say them out loud, and Isaac always kills me for mispronouncing them. So. And DeAndre Ayton, the center yeah. from Arizona. I am in Team Luca. I'm Luca all the way. I'm Luca all the way, and I just don't understand why Phoenix would even deliberate on this. I mean, I think it's just like, in theory, athletically, his size and skill... I, I get why you'd be interested in Aiden, but to me, his defense is just such a question mark. I just worry about that. The thing with Luca, I always love when people are like, well, we're not positive about his athleticism yet. And his, his speed's not quite there and these little things. And yeah, first of all, he's 18. And then second of all, we've seen this over and over again. We just saw it with Donovan Mitchell last year when he was in college you graduate college, all you do is train to play sports and you get a little bit better at everything. See, and I then, was I was just talking to a European scout about this and he was telling me Luca has been playing ball for the last 18 months. Like yeah, he has not straight. been he's not been in the like weight room working out and he's already like six eight, two thirty. Guess what he's not doing? Like on he's not on the fucking beach running with a parachute strapped to his back. He's he, just playing basketball. Cause like if you get him cut up a little bit, then maybe the lack of speed, he's just gonna punish dudes. He's just huge. That's the thing that Luca and people are saying. He's two hundred and thirty pounds at eighteen. He's He's a big old dude. Also, like the kind of reps that he's getting 
And I really do believe in this. And I think it hurt Philadelphia in the, in the playoffs. Like Ben Simmons, who's at Monte Verde Academy or whatever, and has this wasted year at LSU. He takes last year off. Now all of a sudden he's in the playoffs. And it's like, I just didn't feel like he had the big game reps. Yeah, I mean, people don't realize like your early Final Four is a huge deal. Over yeah, there. he's like, that's... 18. He's playing against... Basically, those teams are what? As good as... I don't know, Orlando? Yeah, I mean, like, I've been watching Real Madrid all the last Brooklyn? few days. They'd beat the Mavs, honestly. Yeah, Brooklyn, so like, they're better than five NBA You're teams. gonna laugh, though. So the big matchup in the Final Four tomorrow, it's uh, Anthony Randolph versus Jan Vesely at the four spot. Oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. But Anthony Randolph had a resurgence, though, right? He, he wants to come back to the league. So, like, Luca's teammates, Jeff Taylor, former Hornets uh, wingman, Rudy Fernandez... Anthony Randolph, Gustavo Ayon. Like, they're all former NBA players in their late I like 20s. Gustavo Ayon. The thing that impressed me the most about it is like, this guy's 18, 19, and these grown men are like, Lucas, your team, go with it. Like, you're so good. We're just going to let you run, run that's, with it. So, that's what blew me away with him is he's their crunch time guy, but he's also like, it seems like he's the leader on the court. And he's mean, 18. He's like a prodigy. The funny thing is, like, if he if some guy misses a cut, like, Lucas a hothead, he'll just cuss him out. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care. It's weird. Like, most young guys with an older think, team, you think, Oh, he's the fresh from the varsity. He's trying to get his get everyone involved. No, Luca's like, I'm 18. I'm the best player of the Yankees on Europe. I'm just killing people my whole life. Like, I don't care. I'm the man. Yeah. And he's got crunch time chops. He's got the step back three already. I mean, his he's swag. He's got crunch is, time moves. Yeah. His swag is phenomenal for yeah. sure. I mean, the Bengal Tiger tattoo. It's now I was a big Rubio guy. I thought Rubio. I just thought he played in the 2008 Olympics in the gold medal game. He was 17. He was playing against the greatest players we had and belonged. And after I saw that, I was like, I'm in on that guy. Yeah. And then he missed the two years, comes in, goes to Minnesota. He's on a fucking crazy team. They have a million failed lottery picks and weirdness. And then really started to come together with Al Jefferson. And then Kobe fell on his leg and he hurt his knee. And then it was like more losing. And it just was the... Just mm -hmm. perfect, perfect example of just wrong situation for the wrong guy. And if he goes to 20 other teams, it goes completely differently. But, you know, now now he is what he is. He's a he's a solid starting yeah. guard, but it's disappointing. I think Luca was better than him anyway. Well, I mean, Luca is 6'8", 238. Yeah. And he's got a jump. Like the thing with Luca, what everyone's going to see is like, how good is that jumper? Because there will be games where he just goes like seven for nine from three and just hits crazy shots. But he's only shooting... Uh, 31% this year. Like he needs that jumper to be wet for sure. That's where his ceiling comes well, from. Well, considering he's th five years older than my daughter, I've, I have faith in him. I mean, 18 is so young. Yeah, it's like, incredible. Think about, this is my case with Tatum. When, uh, you know, the fact that he was 19 for most of the year and he's 20 right now and the reps that he's getting in the playoffs and it's like, this is the worst he's ever going to be. Yeah. Like, all he's going to do is get better every year from this spot where he's a crunch time guy on a team that might make the finals, you know? The one thing to watch to Luca, like it's kind of a reverse. So in Madrid, it's for, he's very much like Donovan Mitchell where he's this young guy in this old team. So yeah. for example, in this Panathinaika series that just ended. So the first game, they like press Luca, try to trap him, get the ball of his hands. And then Madrid just switches it up and uses Luca off the ball. They have him running around screens and playing off. And it's like the whole team just kind of changed in like a snap. Like they're very well coached, but I love their head coach. He's good. They're very veteran. Like next year, Luca will probably go to a bad young team with a lot of culture around him. So that'll be an adjustment. It's like the reverse of most NCAA guys where they, he's going from like being the man on a young team versus going to an old team, whereas he's going from an old team to a young team in the NBA. Well, coming up, I'm going to tell you where I don't want him to go. But first, this break. Hey. 
Have you heard about Sonos One? Oh, it blends great sound with Amazon Alexa for hands-free control of your music and more. You use your voice, you play songs, turn on lights, adjust temperature, do all kinds of things. It's actually annoying if you have kids who just start barking orders at it and things are playing and uh, I may or may not have personal experiences with this. So you have to kind of train your kids not to take advantage of it. But if you're an adult, it is tremendous. Sonos continually updating with new features, services, and skills. Your music and voice options will keep getting better over time. Guess what? I have great news. Sonos offering the listeners of the Bill Simmons podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. Ringer NBA show doesn't have anything this great, does it? We're a little higher this up is, this time, moving up this, in the world. This is maybe in a year. We'll know. We'll know when the Ringer NBA show has really arrived. When the Sonos, when the uh, you get the promo code. They gave us a sound system. It was pretty sweet. Oh, that's good. You have yeah. arrived. I take it back. This offer is available for a limited time only. Cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Again, ten percent off one order of twenty five hundred dollars or less for any product on Sonos.com. Use the promo code Bill Ten. Capital B I L L and then one zero. Bill 10 at sonos.com to receive this offer. This is very, it's a very important topic for me. And I know it's like the Celtics have had an embarrassment of riches and good breaks over the years. And I don't want to get greedy. I don't want him to go to Sacramento. The Celtics have Sacramento's top one protected pick. Oh, that's where, oh I was where sure you're going with that. Oh, <laughs> if they take Aiden. Aiden's, he's not going to be an impact guy next year. No, no. He'll, pro- he'll block pro- some shots. He'll run the floor. Yeah. He's a project. It would pretty much be impossible for Sacramento to not finish in the top five of the lottery if that's the pick. If Luca comes over, I'm scared. The one thing to he watch- He could was, swing them by 12 wins. I'd be curious to see how Luca and Fox work out. Because like when Luca goes Sacramento, he's got him. And I did an article on Bogdan- they actually, they're actually friends. They know each other. Yeah. And like, so these two guys, like we're Euros running on ball, off ball stuff this is great. So do where need, does Fox fit in? Do we in? need a six, one point guard who can't shoot? I'm Trade a, him. I don't know. That'll be interesting to see how that, they're both kind of elf. Luca and Fox are both kind of like Fox has a chance guys. to be an all-star someday. Luca has a chance to be like a top five NBA player. So that'll, that'd That's be the not big, even a competition. That'd be the me. big question is like, do they just move off Fox already? Well, I think he ends up in Phoenix. You think it's a I think, smoke screen they're setting right now with Aiden or just... Yeah. Why'd they hire his coach? Yeah, that this thing doesn't make any sense to me. Red flag. Yeah. Uh, Luca Booker, Josh Jackson. I love that. I love that three million. Quinn Capella right for $25 million a year this oh. summer. Oh. And then the 17 forwards they've drafted over the last I, mean, I think Clint's years. not going to go anywhere. Houston's got to keep him. Doesn't matter. I don't think yeah. what you offer. Clint's gonna get twenty five million a year from Houston. But how do they replace him though? I mean, how got, do they pay him twenty five million dollars a year? They write a check. I don't Harden's know. making forty. But Ryan like, Anderson makes twenty. Eric Gordon makes. I think 20. Anderson's gone. I think they dump him with picks somewhere. Can't dump him. He makes twenty million a year. Nobody has the space. They're Sa- screwed. They're not going to be able to pay. My, my, my Mavs will take your bad contracts for picks. Oh, you'll we're, take we're, Ryan we're, Anderson. We're open for business. Give me some picks. We'll take it. Is Rick Carlisle leaving the Mavs? I've I've heard heard whispers. I mean, it's weird because they're going to be bad for a long time. He's 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 happy now. He likes having control. He's not happy. I think he likes his kids being in Dallas, but nah, I mean, it's overrated. Yeah, your I mean, kid, turns out your kids can live anywhere. <laughs> Guess what? Guess what? Every city has schools <laughs> and That's restaurants. The only, the only Andrew Bynum line about banks. It's fine. 
You know what his kids are like, Toronto. <laughs> if I was the Mavs, I'd try to, I mean, what's the point? They're going to be bad for a while. What if Cuban and Carlisle rig this and Cuban's like, I'm, I want to get a first round pick out of this and I'll let you out of your contract. And they go to Toronto and like, we want the Doc Rivers deal. First round pick and we'll let him out. Oh, Dallas would do that in a Dallas does that in a millisecond, right? Don, yeah. And then you hire Becky Hammond to change the culture behind the scenes oh of the Mavericks. Gosh. That's the best move don't of bring all her, time. Don't bring her to Dallas. Dallas is a mess, man. Yeah, that's we, true. We need a, we need yeah, no woman wants to work in Dallas right now. God. <laughs> is that gone? That's just not gone away, right? They haven't even... Well, they hired this uh, lady, Cynthia Marsh from AT&T, and she's like restructuring. But like, it's just, from what I understand, the whole franchise, it's, it was super like haphazard and not very like organized well. Yeah. So it's just, it's, they need to start over basically. Who would be your dream coach? Do you have anybody out there that you like? Uh, I mean, let's get some good players in here. The coach yeah. has to come after you get good players. Coaches. Get, get a nice guy who like, you know, him and Dennis go to ice cream together. Like Rick and Nerlens didn't work. Like I want a coach who's going to let a young guy grow through his mistakes. The problem with with Carlisle, who I think is one of the best five or six coaches, is he, he's not a malleable coach. No, he has. Like Brad wants, Stevens will be yeah. like, "Hey, Jordan Crawford's your sixth man this year." Like, all right, I'll make it work. Rick Carlisle's like, "That's not my kind of guy." Yeah, I, it bothers me that he couldn't figure out how to make Nerlens Noel an asset, unless Nerlens Noel just went off the deep end behind the scenes. Okay, so here's what, here's what happened essentially. So Rick's like, "I want my centers." to roll hard to the rim, collapse the defense. And I want my centers to understand my defensive responsibilities. Nerlens was constantly freelancing. And holding want, a hot dog. He, <laughs> he wanted to prove he could like get steals and blocks and he wanted like the ball on offense. And Rick's like, I'm not giving you the ball on offense until you've earned the right by playing sound positional defense. And so like that, like Nerlens is like wants the ball and freelances. So like Rick just had no time for it. And he's like, I don't care. I'm not going to play you. And that's what, that's what happened. If Phoenix called, if San Antonio called Phoenix and said, we'll give you Kawhi for the number one pick in the draft, what would Phoenix do? Ooh. You'd have to talk to Kawhi's people. Like, what does he want? I, I mean, who knows what Kawhi wants, right? I would turn that down. I mean, if Kawhi doesn't commit to staying. He would play nine games last year. Give me the 18-year-old kid with. I mean, Kawhi's Kawhi. If he's like, I'll come and stay there and sign a contract, I'd do it. But why would he do that? Kawhi and Josh Jackson would be interesting. I think they're both uh, LA guys. Kawhi's in LA. It's guy. actually a fun trade rumor because it's semi-conceivable. It feels like Kawhi, though, is thinking about LeBron. I feel like that's it more does. likely it's, to... I would put my money on uh, LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi. I love that idea. I love it. Could Luka Doncic and uh, Doncic, 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 and Devin Booker coexist? Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be perfect. Be like a great Euro thing. Like they can both be so... They're so great off the ball. I think it'd be fantastic. Not positive Devin Booker's ever going to be in a great team, but I'm a, he's also another guy who's so young that it's yeah. stupid to even count anything out yet. I think if you had Luka and Booker, then you want defense all around them because they're both kind of average athletically, which makes Josh Jackson so great for them. So Bridges from uh, Bridges from Michigan State does not count as a sleeper. Who's your big sleeper? Uh, okay, here's the one. I love Jonte Porter. I love Michael Porter's younger brother. Oh, yeah. To There's me, been some buzz that he's the better Porter. I think he... I think in terms of as a basketball player, he's definitely a better bass. I mean, he doesn't have the athletic ability, but in terms of just basketball IQ, he's for sure the better Porter. You don't want to, want to know my dream is here? The Clippers take both. Porter and Porter? 12 and 13. The Porter brothers. I really enjoyed when the Morris brothers were on the same team, especially because you couldn't tell who was who. But <laughs> well, I John really like Michael having them not, together. They're definitely, 
they Dude, definitely look twins. different. No, they're not twins. But I just like when brothers are on the same team. That's cool. I like family. Yeah, family atmosphere. I like I movies like about families. I like I like basketball teams with brothers. I liked when Horace Grant and Harvey Grant were in the league playing each other. I enjoy I'm, it. I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. I don't. The problem it. is, I don't think Michael Porter falls to twelve. No, there's no way. There's right. no way. Jonathan Charks. Hey, going back to Texas. Texas basketball is in a bad spot, except for the Rockets. The other two. Yeah, it's, the it's, other two are. It's, uh, this is rough. Times. I was pretty bummed about the lottery. Like when your team is bad and you don't win the lottery, it's like we're never gonna get out of the lottery. This is gonna happen for years. We had that. Um, I remember after Reggie Lewis died, <laughs> and we had all these bad contracts, and you just kind of looked at it, and everybody in Boston had the same realization: like, wow, there's there's no path. We are going to be terrible now for four years. Did you see like maybe you, even six? What Cuban said about Harrison, and he's like, "Well, if you look at it, he could be like Demar Derozan, maybe. Like this is like the ceiling we're selling the fans on. We might have Demar Derozan, maybe." I I actually admired how the how he just fought tanking for so many years, just refused to do it, and backed veterans. Cubes? And, yeah, cubes. It was just so. Just wouldn't buy into it, but now is now he has no choice. I feel like he was just impatient. He just doesn't like to. Charks, what are you writing about this week? I'm doing a big thing on Luca for Friday. I kind of go into his Real Madrid tape, look at how his team's using him and how that's going to translate to the NBA. Oh, great! Check that out on TheRinger.com. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for All having right. me. We're gonna talk to Lou Adler in a second, but first, if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, I've got good news. Our friends at Hotel Tonight have an awesome app. That helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Book next week, tonight. Book next month, tonight. All it takes is 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. Perfect. Whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute, I've used it for multiple youth soccer tournaments in various parts of Southern California. I've used it for baseball tournaments. I don't even know I have yet. Oh yeah, I love hotels tonight. With their HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get, unlike other loyalty programs where you've trapped into staying at boring chain hotels, start scoring amazing deals in incredible hotels. Download the Hotel Tonight app now. I have told you about this app for a year. Just listen to me. Hotel Tonight. And now... The interview we did on Wednesday in Malibu, California, in one of his many houses. Music mogul, Laker fan, Lou Adler. All right, we're taping this in Malibu, California. The famous Lou Adler is here, who I don't know if Jimmy Goldstein has now passed you with most courtside appearances at famous NBA games. I still feel like you have the most. Was that Jimmy Goldstein? Well, he's been to a lot the last 25 years, but you have like, you go back to, when did you get your tickets for the Lakers? Well, in 70, the latter part of 72 and the beginning of 73, it was just... uh, Random tickets, you know. Yeah, wherever we could get a uh, buy a ticket, it had nothing to do with uh, season tickets. Probably seventy four, maybe seventy five. So between West and Kareem, Kareem came in in seventy five. Yeah, like seventy five, seventy six. Yeah, yeah. I actually met Kareem when he was uh, at UCLA. Oh yeah. 
He was here for four years. They wouldn't yeah. let him play the first year. Yeah. Freshman year. And then they had the no dunking role. There was a lot of obstacles against Kareem in college. Now he Shortly, just would have come out. What, 76? Yeah. Oh. All right. All right, so he shows then up. Then they talked about making the lane wider because they yeah. were done. That's when you know you're good at basketball when they're talking about changing the rules to try to temper yeah, some of the stuff you're right. really good at. So Kareem comes and then Magic comes in 79. But Kareem, those teams were playoff teams. They just couldn't get over the hump. Yeah, you know, he didn't have it. I mean, you would think for what they gave up for Kareem, you know, a whole team actually, yeah. four or five players, that uh, there would be some kind of immediate impact because he had... Milwaukee he had brought him a championship. Right. Know. Um but some mediocre seasons. I mean, they were okay, better seasons. Yeah. Um than um Yeah. I mean he really didn't have the team around him that he needed. So were you at so when well first of all, when did you get courtside? When were you next to the bench? Probably well. First, we were when I say we, it's Jack Nicholson yeah, yeah. because um, first we were next to the Laker bench at the Forum, okay, and we had two seats. Then you just had two for the two of you, one each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then when we, they moved to Staples. We went to four, and we decided we'd rather sit by the visitor's bench than by the Laker bench. First of all, I love this. I love this <clears> conversation. <throat> this is a more- conversation normal people don't get to have. Yeah, right. Like, which which bench should we sit next yeah, to? Yeah, exactly. So you wanted the visitor's bench because yeah, you wanted to be around the people. Yeah, it was much more interesting to get uh, a different coach every game. Yeah. Um, and players, and you get to know the – and also the um, visiting players are always more forthcoming yeah. than the Lakers because they you know, well, see it all like, the time. Or and Jack is, I don't know. Well, if he's, he was very demonstrous during those days. I was going to say, you know, demon- but also- a different, um, yeah, a different If guy. he wasn't the most famous actor in the world, he was in the top three in the mid-70s. So I, I would imagine well, they all part of the them. reason that they started, you know, we started, a, I started to have, uh, you know, hit records. He was having hit movies. We were moving down. We started at the top. Yeah. And as, you know, we. Almost the exact same time range, right? Because you really, you started to have real success in the mid 60s and 70s. 70s. Yeah. And uh, same as Jack. Yeah. yeah. So how do you decide to share one ticket each? With the most famous movie star in the world at that point, how does that how does that conversation even happen? Well, I mean, are you I mean, like at dinner one night and you're <clears> like, <throat> "Should we get Lakers tickets?" Yeah, let's do oh, it. Oh no! As soon as we discovered we're Laker fans and we're basketball fans in general, yeah. um, and started going to the games and getting any ticket that we we could, um, it, it was no brainer. Do you want to sit courtside? Yeah. Uh, so you're so you're there. You get when did Staples was it for a while? So you had just the two for the entire forum run, which takes you. I think so. That yeah, takes you yeah, all the no, way through I'm Magic. Pr- I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack is a crazy fan at that point because I lived in Boston during the. Uh, my dad lived in Boston actually for the '84 Finals, and I was in Connecticut, but I was going to the games. And Jack came in for Game Five and Seven of the uh, 
yeah, 84 we finals <clears throat> and was yeah, like giving they, us the they joke us, sign. They put us Were in you there for that? Yeah, for every game, including my oldest son. Um, so were you telling Jack to calm down? You're going to get us killed? No, they put us in a cage. They put us, um, they had these cages that run across the top. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they, they were. little were. balcony boxes. Huh? They were like little balcony boxes, right? Like no, you, they weren't bad. They were cages. I mean, they- <laughs> Like a shark? Yeah. I mean, you couldn't get anything through it because they started throwing things. But those yeah. were tough fans in those days. Oh, yeah. And there was no respect at all for uh, Lakers or a Laker fan, uh, no matter who you were. Well, I mean, he yeah. was giving the choke sign to everybody. That probably, he probably well, wasn't he, helping. He also pulled his pants down and gave him an ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys zoom in and zoom out for the games did you stay over were you like out of there um i think both we how'd were, you get out of there after game seven because that was crazy yeah they, they would lead us out you know i mean they they were careful with us because eventually it got okay they got more respect for the lakers yeah more respect for the fans but it was tough in those days i we were in New York mostly. We'd fly into Boston for the games. Were you there in '85 when they won the title on the Garden yeah, Four? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was. I still haven't 100 percent recovered yeah. from that game. And for I was there for um, two game winners by uh, Magic. Oh, well, the Sky, one the Junior Sky, the Baby Hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at that one too. I, I still think we got hosed by the refs. Right. When do, when can I stop being mad about this? It's been like 31 years. Well, you never. Thompson <laughs> went over Mikhail's back. I will believe it till the day I die. And well, when out when I'm over Mikhail taking a rambus down, I guess. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> All right, let's go backwards to the 70s. Were you at the Kermit Washington punching Rudy Tomjanovich game? Which one? When Kermit Washington punched Rudy Tomjanovich. Yeah. You were at that game? Uh, yeah. I came out early uh, from halftime. Halftime, we used to go into, they gave us a little room that we could sit in at halftime. And um, Jack actually came out late. He missed it. Oh, he missed it? Yeah. But I had just got to the court when I saw Washington running across. Yeah, to punch and Tom Janovich just turned at the wrong time is what happened. And Rudy, uh, I mean, uh, he was running very quickly, uh, Washington. So it was that kind of impact. But that was devastating. I mean, you could hear it. You yeah. could, didn't they say it was almost like hearing a splat? It was what? Like hearing a watermelon hit the concrete or something. Uh, that's that's a good definition. Yeah, that's what it was. I Do mean, you think he was dead? It was horrible. no. I mean, it was so shocking. You just held your breath for a very long time, you know. And eventually, you know, I mean, his face caved in a half inch or an inch yeah. or something. Yeah. Well, he walked off. He had like he was covered in towels, and then they realized, like, I think like his brain was leaking fluid, or like it it got super dangerous there for four just or horrible. five hours. And horrible for watching. He wasn't a bad guy, you know. Yeah. He was a good guy. I mean, it was an emotional minute. Um. I think you know he was fine, but he was only. You know, how much do you think he was fine? Oh, it wasn't much, right? It was ten thousand. Like, he got suspended for a bunch of games. Yeah, oh, he never. His career was over. Well, they traded him to Boston, so mm -hmm. I was going to the Celtic games with my dad, and all of a sudden, Kermit Washington showed up, and 
all we knew is like what we read in newspapers and Sports Illustrated. They didn't even have Sports Center back then. So we get this guy, and it's like you just you think this guy is like a lunatic, and he was like this nice guy. He who, was very nice. Who just you know, I think Tom Janovich was running at him, and Kermit whirls around and throws this punch. He's six. Yeah, nine. they just met. Yeah, fist and face. Both going in different directions. Yeah. Kareem Kareem threw a couple punches in his day. I think he broke his hand once. And Ken Benson he swung at somebody and hit the backboard or something like that. No, he broke yeah. he broke Ken Benson's jaw. Was one of them. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. Right. I don't think that was in L.A. though. And then mm, no, I, I didn't. That see might have it. been Milwaukee. I didn't see if it was. Yeah. So were you going? How many? What was the percentage of games you were going headed into the Magic era? Like two thirds, forty three. You own everything, yeah. Because you were a pretty busy dude at this point. What was? You were one of the biggest music producers in the world, and you're at that point. The Roxy was open at that point, right? Uh, yeah, we opened in '73. Yeah. Um, yeah, the '70s were you know really good for me. I want to get into that in a second, but I have more Lakers questions for you. Okay. So Magic shows up. At what point do you know this is going to be the best Laker well, of all time? I know something was different when uh, everybody did that was there. When Kareem hit uh, the winning basket and Magic jumped up on him and oh, and he hugged hug. him. I mean, yeah, that was he, the first game. He barely talked to Kareem, let alone jump up and hug him. Right. You know? So, and it was it, it was different. I mean, it gave a personality to. Uh, to the team at that point, you know, which, um, and you know, it made all the papers. It was a, it, it was a um, big change, uh, magic coming not only from um, what happens later on as a basketball player, but a personality too. And I, I mean, to give Doctor Bus credit, I mean he. He had two choices that year in draft: Sidney Moncrief, yeah, and um, and Magic, and Moncrief actually would have been a better fit because you Norm had a point Nixon guard. was yeah. a point guard. So, but uh, he went with uh, Magic. Thank goodness. I mean, that was such a strange time for the league. I, I was fascinated. I wrote an NBA book like nine years ago, and I was fascinated by that stretch when Kareem was the best guy in the league, that lot of cocaine use, and the the ratings weren't great. They were tape delaying some of the finals games and stuff like that. And Kareem was kind of the face of it. And I remember when he'd come to Boston, which was really only like once a year, um, he, he just wasn't an inviting guy. Like even as a little kid in the stands, you'd be like, oh my God, there's Kareem. And then... It's just guys wearing goggles. He's couldn't be less interested in whoever's there. Yeah. He's just very detached. And that was the face of the league. And I think it was, yeah, it wasn't that, great. Yeah, that's true. It's like I said, I met him while he, I met Kareem while he was at UCLA. And he was. And you, you understand it, you know, at seven foot two and yeah. growing up. I mean, and not 11, seven foot two people around and not basketball didn't have. Um, what it later uh, uh, had as far as the um, individuals being not only basketball players, but personalities, human beings. I mean, all those things that came later. Yeah. Um, and you, you know what he's going through. I mean, he was a very um, paranoid 
uh, very uh, extremely quiet and extremely intellectual, uh, very, very well read. Um, he, the first time he came to my house, he, um, it was sort of the phone call was, can I come over? Yeah, come on by. Right. Comes in the house. Uh, Do you have anything to eat? I said, yeah. I put out some stuff. Sat, sat at the dining room table. Uh, you have anything else? So I brought some more food out. Okay, if I take a nap? Yeah, okay. Showed him where a couch. We lay down, went to sleep, got up. Thanks. Left. And then he left? Yeah, after he got up. Was he in the Lakers It was, or was this you? Said that or? was Lakers, yeah. Wow. That's so, what a weird story. He was a weird guy. Kareem was a strange dude. I mean, he was for a long time. I mean, as we became friends, good for really good friends to this day. Um, and not only to me, but to the world, he opened up a lot, you know. Uh, if you would have said then, uh, Kareem has a speaking engagement, there's about five minutes. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, Jim Murray had the famous column where he interviewed his back once in the locker room because Kareem never talked to reporters. And Kareem would well, just sit there. That was his- wooden, you know, at, at UCLA. I mean, he protected him in that yeah. way. And most of his ball players, but especially Kareem, he didn't let them do a lot of interviews. Kareem was my least favorite basketball player because it was Lakers Celtics. The Bucks played the Celtics in uh, the 74 finals. So I just, my whole life I was against him. And then in the 84 finals, he threw an elbow at the head of my favorite yeah. player, Larry Bird, and came four. And then from that point on, I hated his guts more than anything. And then he killed us in the 85 finals. And even in 87, when he was pretty old, he yeah. was still kind of unstoppable. He kind of owned Parrish. He yeah, could get the, whatever the he centers, wanted on Parrish. The centers all could play. I, he played till he was 40, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. He played till through 89. But, he stayed one one year too long, but that's everyone does. Yeah. The centers that could play. I mean, you know, but guard, what's, guards couldn't. Right. Mean, you know, but what's crazy is I never expected... 30 years later, here was this guy, as you said, not only speaking engagements, but he's writing columns about pop culture and politics. And um, he's going on like Bill Maher's show and things like that. And he's, and he's great. And I just never saw any of that coming. I think he's a really interesting guy. His uh, time stories are all. Yeah. He's a really good writer. Yeah. He's a good writer. He's so smart. So the Lakers, they win in 80. Kareem's greatest game. Game four, he sprains his ankle, he comes back in, and then uh, can't go to game six. Magic wins yeah, game six. Yeah, I think six. he was out on the rocks during the game or right before the ending of the game. Came, he came in back. In Philly. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, um, yeah, Magic scores uh, 41, I think. Something crazy. Um, the, the, the two stats that aren't brought up much um, – Silk, Wilkes had 37 that game. There's always the second guy who has the awesome game in those games. And uh, Norm Nixon had nine assists. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, So you win that title. In 81, the Celtics are really good. So the Lakers, they just skip the 
finals because they did two years, I think. Yeah, in '81 and '86, when we had really good Celtic teams, the Lakers just decided not to show up. We always showed up, whether we had a banged up team or not, to play you guys. Sometimes Lakers. I was when I did TV with Magic, I would always make fun of them about '86. '86. I was like, "Where were you? What was our best team? We're waiting for you." (laughs) And uh, he's like, "Oh man, Akeem and Ralph. We just couldn't keep them. Couldn't keep them off the big fella." Yeah. But uh, so then 84, the league takes off. And then the next, and the finals becomes this seminal moment for the league where it's like bird versus magic. Incredible seven game series. Game four, the McHale clothesline, overtime, all that stuff. And it's awesome. See, when he hits the baby hook. That's 87. We're yeah. already at the top of the steps. That's when, you know, get them out of here. Oh, they're ready to get ready. Yeah. Yeah. So we're at the top of the steps at that point. I mean, there was one game where they gave us uh, helmets. Uh, what? Yeah, steel helmets. Uh, Jack must have loved that. He loved the whole thing. It was, you know, Jack is a very pure basketball fan. And um, he, he he's, uh, so this comes along and that team comes along for a basketball fan to sit in LA and get that kind of team through the eighties. I mean, it's fantastic. And they dominate the West for the whole decade and the two biggest challengers, I would say were the Rockets who fell apart in a year. And then the Mavericks were really good and they the couldn't Mavericks keep Roy Tarpley on the year, court. Yeah. That was the other team that really gave them trouble. Yeah, But nobody, did, you know, it was still Celtics waiting yeah. wait for the Celtics no matter what. Yeah. You know? What? Well, so as this is taken off, and you're this super successful guy in LA and you're connected to music and sports and you have, are you, you're in Malibu full time at that point? I'm both. Are you, you're in Malibu at that point, late seventies? Yeah. I moved to Malibu in uh, 1973. Okay. So what are, I'd always heard that your house was like a famous house that a lot of people passed through that house yeah, and there were a lot of stop, you know, uh, <laughs> not some, but the one time I opened the garage and there's a bus parked in front of my house <laughs> and they're starting to unload the bus, you know, uh, and they're coming in for the tour. Uh, but, a tour? Uh, yeah. I mean, they thought it, it does stand they out. They thought you were like the Getty? Yeah. They, they, maybe they thought we were the Getty. <laughs> um, it stands out because, first of all, uh, it's one of the first houses on carbon that was um, built later than 50s and 60s. Right. Um, and it's all rock, uh, as opposed to beach houses mostly being wood. Uh, so it does stand out. I mean, from that, I mean, it was good and bad. I mean, it, the bus tour, that didn't happen. Um, people did drop notes off and say how, you know, they liked going by and seeing the house. I mean, it was good. And the, for the listeners who aren't don't know anything about LA, Malibu is on this stretch. And it's basically a one-lane highway that goes on forever. And back then, the laws were a lot different. They didn't have, like, the dividers in the middle and the little things. And it was not that bright. And it was... It was Pretty treacherous, right? It was a real road yeah. at that point. Yeah. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. So you're having all these parties in the 70s. I um, am. 
Well, you're still, are you, you're still having the parties. Oh, okay. I'm saying that in the 70s. Yeah. Um, the 70s were crazy. They were good. They were. <laughs> <laughs> were they crazier than people like me have heard? Less crazy or as crazy? Um, from your standpoint? Yeah. They were as crazy as you were thinking. Okay. Yeah. What, so what's a typical Saturday night at Lou Adler's house? What, what's the mix of- There were no typical. Everyone was different. That's what made it so good. <laughs> so are people, how many people could you fit in there? In my house? Well, yeah. don't forget I had on the rocks. So that, that was an extension of my house. You know, I mean, that- well, So I, which I was the party house? On I the cliff or on the water? 50 in there. Yeah. yeah. So which was- it And the also at that time, 73, 74, I still had my house in Bel Air. So um, I had two houses. So when you wanted to let loose one night, wh where was the house? Was it the one on the water? Or was it on Mostly, the cliff or was it Bel Air? It would be on the rocks. And secondly, it would probably be Bel Air. Um, and uh, I, I didn't do that much out here in Malibu as far as those kinds of big parties, you know. So who's your competition right now at these parties None. for the, the place? I, I don't know. Hugh Hafner? Competition as far as what? I don't know. Who who else was having great parties? Who was on your radar? You're your competitive guy. Um, if it, I'd, I'd have a big uh, Christmas party. Okay. But uh, maybe one of the biggest uh, house parties. But that was because who I might have been with at the time, you know, the relationship that I was in. Um, as an individual, I, I didn't throw parties. I wasn't that kind of all right but you through. you said five minutes ago that these were crazy these I were said. crazy huh you said they were as crazy as i heard i was so thinking, maybe your best party. i was thinking about the 70s not yeah, the yeah. parties no the yeah. 70s yeah. or i guess the I 70s mean, the parties uh, the 70s were wild you know i mean they were um yeah i mean you know there are a lot more uh, drugs in the 70s and there had been in the 60s different kind of drugs yeah um there were everything that had started in the 60s was blossoming in the 70s you know so uh none of the um uh problem of aids that came down in the 80s yeah so we were right in the middle in the 70s you know did uh, we learned uh, learned how to do it in the '60s and was able to do it in the '70s and stopped in the '80s. So. It's almost like an like an MBA career. Huh? It's like an MBA career. You yeah. You were young in the '60s and then you're in your prime in the '70s. Nicholson um, seems like one of the most fun people. One of the what? One of the most fun people who's ever walked the planet. Um. Oh, true or untrue? Yeah, yeah. When he's fun, I mean, he's you know, I mean, Jack is really Jack with that uh, in every connotation of when you say the name or talk about him. Um, he's also very, very smart, very funny, uh, and and a sense of humor and enjoys a sense of humor, and um, single most of that time. Uh, How did he manage that? Well, he had a girlfriend for seventeen years, but right, still single. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sounds like Leo. Yeah. Leo's another one. No, nobody can tie down Leo. No. He just kind of keeps going and going. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, so what's the mix of like musicians, actors, comedians, celebrities? When we're talking like 1978, what's when people are out? Like New York had, they always talked about Studio 54, all this, this the disco scene in New York. What was the scene in LA? Well, it was a mixture of all of the people that you just mentioned because he, uh, I guess it was around uh, mid, mid-70s. mid You know, in the 60s, musicians, for the most part, and artists um, were separate as a uh, social culture than, um, than the film uh, 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 actors and actresses. Um, that started to... Um, meld come together in the 70s um and by 78 it was just like uh if you went to whatever the uh spot was where you know maybe it was the factory or the daisy or yeah. one of those clubs um it was everyone it was uh, a famous actor sitting with a famous musician and artist uh I I can't comment on New York. I I spent some time there. Yeah. Uh, the longest I ever was in New York, I think, was uh, three months. The uh, longest at one time. But New York was wild because New York had the models. Yeah. You know? L.A. had the actresses. Huh? L.A. had the actresses. Right. L.A. had Los the Angeles. actors. They had the uh, sometimes in the seventies or late sixties, actually. Uh, the music business, the music industry moved from New York to LA. Um, but uh, New York still had the models. So the LA, the courtside scene for Laker games, Doris Day always got credited as being like the first celebrity who sat courtside in the I 60s. Didn't know that. I don't uh, know if that's true. Yeah, I, don't, I never saw her there. But it felt like you and Nicholson really. I was a good friend with her son, Terry Melcher, but. Uh, I never saw Doris Day there. It seemed like you and Nicholson made it a thing because then all of a sudden when Diane we, Cannon's there and then it just kind of snowballed. When we first started going, when Jack and I first started going, they were the only other celebrity that I remember was Bruce Dern, actually. Bruce Dern? Yeah. Okay. And the reason that I remember him because he and Jack, who had very similar senses of humor and uh, uh, minds as far as uh, statistics and memories and those kinds of things, uh, used to trade barbs. And they we didn't sit together. He sat totally different space than I'm talking before we went courtside. Yeah. And Jack could yell something, and then you'd hear Dern yell something back, you know. And uh, Dern was cutting. I mean, Dern, I was, he froze Lucius Allen at the foul, at the foul line uh, when Lucius, I guess, was with Kansas. Maybe. I'm not sure. He wasn't a Laker at the time. It's probably Milwaukee. Wherever he was, yeah. and he was at the foul line just about to take the shot, and Dern said, don't worry if you, something to the effect. The point that he was making was that Mike Warren, from oh, UCLA, yeah. had better statistics than Lucius and decided not to play in the NBA. 
So, and he froze. He, he caused him to stop, look around, try to find the voice. I miss that about the NBA because they play music all the time now. Yeah. And the NBA that I grew up with and that when you were going with Jack yeah. back in those days, you could really hear everything. Yeah. They, they weren't playing music during games, during timeouts. That was Bus that started it. Bus started, I think he started uh, music cheerleaders, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or Laker Girls. I think he started all that stuff. And Showtime was as much about Bus as it was about how they played. How'd you get along with him? I didn't know him that well. And he traveled in a, there's a guy that threw parties. Yeah. Um, that's a different circle than I traveled in. You know. I asked Magic, Magic and I would spend all these hours together because you you go to do the, uh, the ESPN show and you do the pregame show. And then it would be a double header and you would just be in this room for like uh, six hours and you, yeah. there'd be seven games on and you just, Jalen and I, Jalen's on his phone and I've got Magic Johnson next to me. who's like one of the five best players ever and who knew everybody and just started asking him questions. And uh, I'd wait till he got a little punchy and then I would ask him like, all right, Magic, Dr. Buss and Hugh Hefner are going after the same girl on a Saturday night who gets her. <laughs> and he's like, oh, Dr. Buss. It's not even close. Dr. Buss, there's no way. Hugh Hefner has no chance. Dr. Yeah. Buss sounded unbelievable. Yeah. It, like really what, like, uh, I don't even know how he would have played in the current era. Of oh, I the, don't know. A Playboy yeah. owner in 2018. I don't yeah. know. People different. Like, totally different. Yeah, I don't know. It would have been would, quiet. I don't know if that would have worked. Magic was uh, responsible for most of the, um, well, certainly the championship parties at On the Rocks. I mean, oh, yeah. It was, that uh, was because of magic, yeah. What about the Forum Club? That's where they went after the I games? You never did that stuff? No, no. Um, Jordan comes in in 91 and steals the title from the Lakers in three Four games. Four years, right? Yeah, Is but it? like it changed. It's one-to-one, -one, goes back one. to the Lakers, 2-3-2 two, two series, and the Bulls win all the games. I think the first one they lost yeah. was 4-1 on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, Jordan, from that point on. Did he acknowledge you and Jack? Did he what? Did he acknowledge you and Jack? Did uh, he ever talk shit to you? Not so much during the playing time. Afterwards, he sat with us a couple times. Um, Bird was the one that always talked to Jack during the game. Oh, please tell me more. Uh, he would uh, watch this. And he'd hit a three or watch this and he'd do something else. I mean, he'd, he'd tell Jack what was about to happen. Yeah. And then usually back it up. And right? when we were in Boston, uh, we spent time at some bar that they all went to that um, Bird told us about and said, come on down. I forget which one it was. In fact, I think he was behind the bar for a while. Larry Bird was behind the bar I during think, the finals I think, with Jack think. Nicholson. And a, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, 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 bet, I bet it was the finals we lost, 85. I'd have to look back, and, and I don't know what I'd look back on. but <laughs> you Check your records. My mind, I guess. <laughs> One of those years, they lost, and then Bird vowed not to drink the next year, and I think he had, like, his best season. Oh, yeah. Because I think he, you know, he liked to have his beer. Yeah. He liked to hang out. So when he was with Nicholson, they must have just been busting each other's balls the entire time. In a way, but there's 
tremendous respect both ways, you know. I mean, that's the thing about the players that even on the opposite team eventually knew how much of a basketball junkie and how much he knew uh, and um, respected Jack for it, you know. Who talked the most shit to you out of all the visiting players? Who talked the most to Jack? Or both of you guys. Oh. Because, um, I mean, they're, they're, in the 90s, it got a little boisterous. Yeah. With some of those guys, the Iverson generation. Iverson was friendly because, um, in fact, I went to a couple of, I took a couple of my boys to uh, uh, Philly practices because Larry Brown was a really good friend of mine. A friend of ours, and uh, so Iverson became a good. You know, he would always come over and say something. You know, talk. Um, pretty much everyone. I mean, the visiting teams were all friendly. You know, for the most part, we never felt that animosity. Um, Lakers during the games, well, the '80s guys, because we were off the court friendly. Norm Nixon being one of my close friends. I was really good friends with Magic still. I, uh, Cooper. Um, so uh, there was that kind of acknowledgement all the time. Eventually it got to uh, Laker teams that uh, maybe because they were younger than us. Yeah. Um, also they had a game face on. Uh, Kobe never once acknowledged me. And again, never, as much as he came up to the scorer's table, yeah. looked straight at me, no recognition whatsoever. <laughs> For all the years that he was Kobe, there, not surprised, that guy. Years, no. He won you some titles, though. He gave us good, I'd rather uh, take the titles and have them say hello to me, okay? <laughs> Or hang out with me or anything. You know? <laughs> uh, Kobe versus Magic versus Kareem? Um, versus Shaq. How would you rank them, greatest Lakers? Oh, because I, wouldn't, some, I wouldn't rank them. Oh, come uh, on. As far as excitement, um, it's Kobe and Magic, you know. Um, as far as between Magic and Kobe... Kobe is in individual excitement. You know, you can, uh, you know, put on a documentary of his greatest shots and all. Magic was everywhere. And Magic also made his team and the players better. I mean, those are, you know, unsaid things or said things about those guys. But that's the difference between them. You know. That's Even all the it difference between... Interesting about Jordan was that he was a little bit of both. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's why uh, I re I revere the bird magic style because those I guys just made their yeah. everyone better. Yeah. I, th I actually think the way Durant, when he, he's not, he's doesn't always do this, but when he's really going well, he can get all the points that he wants to get, but he's also making all the right plays and he's fun to play with. Yeah, he's getting 15 rebounds yeah. and he's got 10 assists. LeBron can kind of go either way. I, I'm not positive he makes other guys better. They kind of have to fit into what he's well, doing. He, I, I don't know that he's had the team yet. That he's had he a lot of good teammates. You know? I think the closest was Miami, right? When he had those guys and he was the focal point and 
like that 27 game winning streak yeah, they maybe had. So. and that was like the best we've seen with him fitting in with the team perfectly i don't think he's had a the right team since to show all those talents or to take those players to another level if you look at you know who he has kovar is going to shoot the three no matter who he's with but what yeah. else um well, that's what he likes, though. J.R. Smith is going to be J.R. Smith, you know. I, True. And, and that's what he's got. That's why his Boston's beating him, yeah. He, they have a lot of older players, three-point shooters, and guys who can't create their own shot. Yeah. They had a guy, it was Kyrie, and they traded him, you know, because I mean, they want to stay there. You know, they're different teams. There's, uh, Boston is similar to... Um, Golden State in, in in that three or four guys can bring the ball up. Yeah, you know, and three or four guys can start the play. Um, that's not true of Cleveland, and in a way, it's not true of Houston. I mean, obviously Harden and Chris Paul can do it. Yeah, but after that, you know, whereas Boston, that's why Boston's going to give Golden State a really good series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you're jinxing. I know what you're doing. You're jinxing the Celtics right now. Who am I We're jinx? only up two nothing in the in the series. You already put us in the finals. Oh, so no, you're no, a Laker no, fan. No, you're, I see what you're doing. No, on you're that. on the you final. Jinxed us. I can't see them coming back. The ones that I may have jinxed is Houston, but yeah. yeah. You, know, so. you know what? The this Celtics team, even though the talent is totally different and the style is different, they do remind me. My I thought the best team that the Lakers had of all the teams was the '82 team, mm-hmm. which was when Magic was like almost basically a triple-double every night. Nixon was the point guard. Uh, Wilkes was still at the peak of his powers. McAdoo was there. They got that great McAdoo season. Then they had Kareem, and they would run, and they had this press. Yeah, they had a combination that was really good. Yeah, Yeah, that was a good Defensively, they they were interchangeable. Yeah. The Celtics team reminds me a little bit of that. the, The new one? This current Celtics team, the athleticism that they have reminds me a little of that 82 Lakers team. Yeah, they might be even better than that. I mean, they they don't have, really don't have a magic, but they have uh, a bunch of the other players that are at a really good level. And look out for next year. I mean, they're getting three superstars back, aren't they? What's it like being, after you had this basically 50-year Laker run, and then Kobe rips his Achilles, and now it's been five years or six years of just being a doormat. Wow, it's horrible. It's a, you Not know, a typical thing for the Lakers. It's a horrible time. Um, to be honest, I went to 11 games last year, this last wow. year. Um, part of that is the team. Uh, part of it is... A good part of it is it used to take me 32 minutes to get to Staples. It's an hour and 20 now. Ooh. And I get there, and the coach from the opposite team stands in front of me. Carla, I won't go to a Dallas game. Rick Carlisle stand in front of me. And Carlisle, he not only stands in front of you, but he spreads his jacket for some reason. So I take a picture of his back, you know, and I write on it, um, 
uh, how was the game? This is what I saw, you know, and I send it to him. So he sends it back. He says, um, I'm, I'm a big friend. You know, I like all that you do. Very like the next game, he stands in front of me the whole game. <laughs> so how many coaches do that? Because Stevens, <clears throat> not Brad quite, Stevens almost all of them do it. Uh, Popovich doesn't do it. Uh, Steve Kerr doesn't do it. Steve Kerr doesn't do it. And I always say to the other guys, I, you know, uh, do you really have to stand? You know, Jack stands up and he leans over their shoulders sometimes. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. So, but the trade-off is you get to hear everything in the huddle. I wouldn't trade the seats. I mean, yeah. on the other side, Luke Walton stands in front of those yeah. guys. So. Well, the move would be to go across, right? Then yeah, you don't get blacked. But then you wouldn't hear. Yeah. I mean, it's different. You know, from our seats, it's like stopping at a playground and sitting next to the court, you know, and hearing the guys talk and all of that court talk is... Uh, What's the, what's the best argument you've heard in those seats between teammates? You must have heard a few. Uh, it was probably um, Reggie Miller and Kobe Bryant. Oh, going head to, going fight. at each other. Right oh, on when our, they got in the fight. Right on yeah, my yeah. seat, yeah. Do you remember what they fought about? No, I Something that, I mean, they must have been trash-talking. I can't imagine what else. I mean, the, the way they play, they weren't near each other very much. Yeah. You know, so, um, But they fell right over my seat onto the scores table, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you got some camera time. Yeah. I try to pull them off. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when did you start getting recognized as the Laker guy? Oh. 80s? Through the 80s, I guess, but um, and then it really showed up after that. You know, I mean, it, pretty much how are the Lakers doing? I get that a lot. You know, what are the Lakers going to do? I mean, if I'm wherever I am or if I'm driving around or something, you know, I get those kinds of questions. Uh, Did um, people ever miss? Laker guy, uh, where's Jack? I get that a lot, you know. Do people mistake you for other celebrities? If what? Do they mistake you for, they think you're another actor or something? Yeah, they think I'm Donald Sutherland. I was going to ask. I, did, I thought that in the 80s. I thought it was Jack and Donald There's Sutherland. There's a website. Before. Oh, there is? Is it Donald Sutherland or Lou Adler? Yeah. <laughs> you guys should have a picture together. You should take them to the seats. I think I have one. We don't look that much alike. Actually. You should take him to a game to prove you're not the you're not you don't look alike. Send him to a game. <laughs> <laughs> Quick break to talk about NetSuite by Oracle. Has your company outgrown QuickBooks? Are shared spreadsheets, manual processes, and legacy systems costing you time and money? Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy to use cloud platform. Save time, money, unneeded headaches by managing sales, HR, and finance and accounting instantly right from your desk or even your phone. Thousands of the best known and fastest growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business. Now it's available to you. Don't miss out on unleashing your business's full potential with their free guide, which is called Crushing the Five Barriers to Growth. 
learn how to acquire new customers, increase profits, and finally get real visibility in your cash flow. Someday you'll have four houses like Lou Adler. Get NetSuite's guide, Crush the Five Bears to Growth at netsuite.com slash BS. Right now, once again, that is netsuite.com slash BS. Again, it's free. And while we're here, don't forget to check out the Ringer's NBA Draft Guide. We talked about it with Charks earlier. Uh, we are continuing to update that throughout these next five or six weeks as we head into this draft, which I think will get more and more interesting the moment Luca tells everybody I'm either going to Phoenix or I'm staying in Europe, and then it's really going to be on. Anyway, back to uh, our new friend, Lou Adler. I forgot to talk about when uh, the Roxy took off. So it's you opened the Roxy in 73? Uh, it'll be 45 years uh, in September of 2018. Uh, Neil Young opened. Um, maybe he'll come back. Neil Young opened in 73? Yeah. He opened in 73. When yeah. did it become like... It'd Every be, good it, band happened, had a, it happened right away. Uh, the only other club booking those kinds of acts was a troubadour, and people were trying, artists were trying to avoid the troubadour at that point. Uh, Where was the one the Doors played at in the 60s? What club was that? The whiskey. Troubadour? Oh, Whiskey Man. Yeah. So you had. Uh, we had the Whiskey, Roxy, and the Rainbow, that whole strip. Yeah. And how many people could you fit in, in the uh, Roxy in the 70s? In the Roxy? Yeah. For Bob, uh, no, the Clash at Midnight? Yeah. 1,300. Uh, once you got your spot, that was it. Yeah. You, you couldn't move. Because the club really, I think it's 480 is what uh, the most. Oh, so you're cramming that's them in. pushing it. Yeah. But there were 1,300 Bars, people getting drinks, or they're already taken care of before they show up? The, they were just standing, yeah. listening. Yeah. That and was you, a midnight show. So, so what we was- We had already had the show before that, and then you know, we did a midnight show. So what was, the, what was the peak moment? What was the best show? Clash, uh, Bob Marley. Bob uh, Marley. The second show, maybe first or second show in in uh, the United States. Um, Chichen Chong opened for wow. Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, those two, those were maybe the two. Yeah, maybe. Because Springsteen Every had show, a, Yeah, Springsteen plays. He had a great concert album, and I think they had like 10 songs or something from when he yeah. was at the Roxy. Yeah, that that was a good really doing the Springsteen thing. <laughs> yeah, I was growing up. I was one player. <laughs> that wasn't me. Yeah, that was that was Lou. Lou was doing that. <laughs> what was the, what was the best basketball game you've been to? Just out the of best care? best NBA best Laker game. What was your oh. number one? Hmm. I think the one in Boston probably was. The, oh, when they won the title. Yeah, when Magic hit the hook. You know. Oh, the other also one, also because that was the second one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the one. There was so much going. I think we were blown out really bad in the first game. I mean, it was embarrassing. You know that game, and then. Um, uh, well, so eighty-five was the Memorial Day massacre. Yeah, eighty-seven and, and, was two two zero comes back. Celtics win game three. 
and then the junior skyhook game four yeah. and then you have 85 it. was great magic yeah. wins that one too on a, oh yeah under the basket shot yeah 87 was cool because I feel like Magic and Bird were both as good as they were ever yeah, going to be, ever were. you know? Yeah. And they were, pros. you're talking two top five guys yeah. at the peak of their powers. Right. Bird was like on this crazy, well, both crazy Both of run. those games were fantastic. I mean, series. Yeah, yeah. Both yeah. of those series were fantastic. I mean, that Boston team, have you had a better one? Oh. 86 was my favorite, the oh. one when you guys yeah. didn't show up. You know, you we sent you an invitation to the finals. You you RSVP'd yes, and then <laughs> just we were waiting, and all of a sudden Hakeem Hakeem and Ralph were there. We were like, who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Co Do you have the same attachment to the Kobe teams, or not really? Um. Yeah. As far as excitement, not as far as because I was so friendly with the '80s teams. Yeah. You know? It was like watching not only great basketball and great basketball players, but friends that I would see later that night, you know, at the club, at the rocks, on the rocks. So, um, yeah, that was different. Yeah. What's your best Jack Nicholson story? Do you have one? I have a lot, actually. Um, as far as basketball, I mean, there was a game. Let's see. I think he got into a shoving match with. <laughs> The Dallas coach at that time. What was his? Uh, in the 80s? It must have been the 80s or 90s, it might have been. Don Nelson? No, no. <laughs> he wouldn't have got in that one. Oh, Dick Dick Mata? Yeah, Dick Mata. Mata was uh, uh, not a happy guy and not um, never, you know, I mean, he was, he had a mean face on him all the time. And he, um, he and Jack somehow, Jack stood up at the same time that Mata was walking by and there was a quick shoving match. Uh, that would be, you know, pretty good. But the one, one game where Lakers security actually came to me and said, if you don't quiet it down, quiet him down, we're going to take him out. And I said, that's something I'd like to see. I'm not going to quiet him down. <laughs> and, and they didn't come and get him because that would have been something. Was he Was he one of those at his peak yelling at the refs, going nuts, like one of those fans, or just sitting there and enjoying the game? He, there was a period he was always at his peak. I mean, you know, I mean, there was a stretch where it was, what's he going to do next, you know? And he, right. And he screams, he yells. But he always has picked something out of the game yeah. that he can yell about, you know. And what he liked to yell a lot was um, by yourself. He liked to tell the guard, guy guarding somebody, that it's okay to stay right there, that he was by himself, you know. So he yelled that a lot. Um, but it's like I say, he, he knows basketball, yeah, really well. It's not just a screwy fan, you know, or or a, a, an obnoxious fan. He's always it's about something that um, if you're going to be a yeller, you should be yelling at that point. You know, it's something that uh, referees. You know, he went after a couple of them. Um, they probably deserved it. Huh? They probably deserved it. Probably went after. Well, you had Jake O'Donnell. They were all they were all arrogant at yeah. that time. You know? Jake was the most arrogant. Um, yeah, 
except for Dick Bavetta. I mean, he was just a nice, sweet guy, you know. Um, but yeah, and uh, well, of course you like Dick Bavetta, huh? Of course you like Dick Bavetta, wasn't because he? Reffing in two thousand two, Kings, right? Game six. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Shot like thirty free throws in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't take him to dinner after. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's the other one? Well, you oh, know, the head of the uh, umpires. What was it? He was really Daryl Garrison. He was really arrogant. Yeah, and his son Ronnie tried in the beginning, but it didn't work for him. Yeah. The one we hated in Boston was Jack Madden. Yeah. He screwed us over in like the '73 Knicks series. Yeah. There was this legendary. He just killed us in this game, and. The fans hated him, and he would always stick it to the Celts because yeah. he was like, "Well, so interesting about those guys, they could yeah. have to go after a team." You know? Oh yeah, they would have grudges. Yeah, it was pretty. It was a crazy times. Now these guys, for the most part, they you know they try to do every game the same most way. Most of them you don't even know they're there. I right. mean, the guy the other night who I don't like either um, made some bad calls uh, against Cleveland. Uh, what's his name? Game two, you mean? What's his name? The game two, Cleveland yeah, Boston. Trying to think. I didn't notice the refs because we were getting good calls. You don't in notice that game. them anymore. Yeah, you know they don't have much personality. There's a couple left over, but not really. You know, all the good ones are gone. Joey, fantastic. James Cagney of the referees. Oh yeah. You know, he would great. talk to the people courtside too. He talked to us a lot. Yeah, he talked to yeah. a lot of people. Now yeah. the guys are afraid. I I kept in touch with him for a long time. Yeah. Um, what's the most somebody offered you for your for your seats for a game? Um, I don't know, twenty five thousand, thirty thousand, I guess. Oh, nobody yeah. tried to Godfather offer you. No, because they knew you were probably going. You didn't care. At that point, no, I didn't care. We were going to the games. Yeah. They can get it a lot cheaper now if they ask. So. Do you have? Do you have? A, yeah, you went to eleven yesterday. Uh -huh. Do you have? A, you have an inside track on LeBron for next year? Oh, I think he's coming. Yeah. Do you want to? You want to make your pitch? Man, he might listen. Oh, he's already got a house. You know, he's got. He's got two houses. Yeah, he's got three things and you know projects. I mean. It makes sense for him, you know. I mean, I uh, the only reason would be that he didn't is because he's looking for a championship. Yeah, and you go to Philly, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think he's looking at a different time in his life, a different part of his life. He he should come. I I'd love to see him. Yeah, I think I've been making this case for a year since mm -hmm. the last finals. I think what what he's done when he changes there's always it's always about a narrative so when he went to miami it's like here's my new life in miami i'm here to win a title and my play with my friends yeah. and then it's like i'm going back to cleveland and i i, I got to bring them a title now what's la <laughs> well to me la is like i want to learn from magic johnson and become a billionaire and become Huh. And I want to own an NBA team and I want to bring the Lakers a title. And then I want to yeah. become the guy and I want to um, own my own team and become a billionaire businessman who better to learn from than Magic Johnson. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's the narrative. 
And also, like, by the way, the team might be good. That That's a conversation that'll decide for him, Magic and him, I think. Yeah, and I think they, yeah. they have a good relationship. Yeah, I would imagine, yeah, and respect. So. Well, let me throw this theory at you. So you have cap space to sign two guys, but you also have some trade assets. And there's a scenario where you sign LeBron, you sign Paul George, and then you trade Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, and Luol Dang's contract to San Antonio, get Kawhi. Then you have Kawhi, Paul George, and LeBron. You keep Lonzo. Well. And then maybe you sign Boogie Cousins on the minimum. You have in the middle of that pop never wanting to trade anyone to LA, no matter who he's getting. But if they think Kawhi is leaving in a year, which well, he is, if you wait, if you wait a year, he's just gone. But if he trades before, he's going to get a lot of good offers, you know. Right. Besides going to LA, you know. So Ingram's I, pretty I good. I think, think Ingram's I a nice piece. I don't think he'd trade Kawhi to LA. You wouldn't do it for Ingram and Kuzma. It's deeper for Pa. You know, he he's a different kind of guy. You know. Um, I mean, would I make that trade knowing that he's leaving in a year? If I had him, yeah, I'd send him anywhere to get those two guys. Kuzma's a he's a player, you know. Um, I would I would do the trade. Huh? It's funny though, I would do that trade. But with uh, sometimes biases end up not having like we got the Celtics got Kevin Garnett in '07. And the Lakers probably had a better offer. Like they had Bynum and Lamar Odom and a couple draft picks. And Danny, Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale are best friends. And Kevin McHale didn't want to send KG to the Lakers. And he yeah. sent him to Boston. That yeah, was yeah. like really why he did it. Yeah. The Boston trade was better, I think, than people remember. But Lamar Odom and Bynum's a pretty good centerpiece yeah, for a trade right. in 2007. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, that'd be interesting if Pop was just like, screw those guys. I'm not helping them. You Do you know, know him? To, I know. He's, he's like that. Yeah. He's he's the greatest. Isn't he one of the greatest that ever came along? Oh, my God. You know? what he's, how he's kept that franchise going and how those guys in, stay in San Antonio. Yeah. So you've seen all these dudes since the 70s. Who do you have as number one? Number one way. The best basketball player you've ever seen. Player? Yeah. Oh, I, it's the same lineup, you know. I mean, it's the five players. It's Bird, Jordan, Magic, Kareem. And then the other slot's open. Is it Kobe? I, I, you know. No LeBron. The millennials are going nuts well, right now. Well, that's what I made open. Yeah. You know, those others are a lock for me. Kobe, LeBron. And who do you want with that team? Knowing how those players play, yeah. Who do you want, Kobe or LeBron? I would want LeBron. Yeah. I to me, it's like Bird, Bird, LeBron, Michael, and Magic have to be four of the five. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you figure out the fifth, whether it's Kareem. We oh, you think Bill go, Russell. How can you go not go with Kareem, the greatest scorer of all time, the greatest shot of all time? You know, it's unstoppable. There's a Russell case. Huh? There's a Bill Russell case. For defense? Yeah. Because oh. I have all those guys on my team, and maybe I just want the best defense player ever. The Kareem case is, if I need two points, that's the number one guy you yeah, would go to ever. Go to the middle. It also yeah. opens up all this. It's great for Bird to have Kareem. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah that'd be pretty fun. I It took me a while to get there with LeBron being in that conversation. Mm-hmm. But about five years ago, I was like, oh, come on. He's got to be there. I, I think Duncan would be interesting too because he'd be so selfless as the fifth guy. Oh, that was a nice player. Yeah, I really enjoyed him. Still recovering that the Celtics didn't get him in the lottery, but we've had a lot of luck since. So, mm. um, I think we covered everything. We good, Tommy? Okay. Good time. Yeah. Um, all right. This was great. I I hope. Uh, I actually, hope to I see don't. You next year. Well, next year it could be could Lakers be Celtics. Celtics. That's right. You have LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George. I'll come back if that happens. I'm coming back. Okay. We're doing a sequel. I'll, Adler, I'll, thank I'll you. go to 42 games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Sonos. Don't forget, they're offering offering the listeners of the Bill Simmons podcast 10% off one order of $2,500 or less for any product on Sonos.com. This offer available for a limited time only. Cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code Bill10, that is Bill10, at Sonos.com to receive this offer. And I would highly recommend the Sonos one. Uh, Don't forget about the Ringer NBA Draft Guide. Don't forget about all of our awesome podcasts. Ringer NBA show is going to happen Sunday night, hosted by John Gonzalez, coming off uh, Rockets-Warriors Game 3, and then the day before Celts-Cavs. That's it for this week. Hope you checked out all the other podcasts that uh, we did on this feed. And enjoy the weekend. Go Celtics.